Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. Today's episode is about mental health, and before we begin, I will share a trigger warning that we discuss trauma and attempted suicide. Our guest is Tanushri Salvi of Boise, Idaho, who started her practice of SGI Nichiren Buddhism when she came to the U.S. for school and was introduced to chanting Nam-myoho Renge-kyo by a college roommate. Today, Tanushri shares the story of how she was able to take the steps to take care of her own mental health through a combination of professional support and her Buddhist practice, as well as how she learned to value her own life and unique beauty. I'll let her tell you the rest. Here's Tanushri. So my name is Chanushri Salvi. That's my full name. Uh, I'm 28 years old. I'll be 29 in a couple months. Um, and I'm calling in from Boise, Idaho. If people don't know where that is from. Uh, it's a beautiful city in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I'm an engineer by profession. I work for a tech company here. Um, and I've been there for close to five years now. Wow. Okay. And I'm assuming that it's work that brought you to Boise? Yes. Yes. It was funny because when I was in school, uh, we had this career fair. And, uh, you know, as an immigrant kid, you basically just say yes to everything the minute they decide (laughs) to sponsor your immigration, basically, Uh, because it's very expensive to like just sponsor your visa, you know. And so, uh, yeah. And I was like in this interview line and I'm talking to this person who is like now my director um and uh he was like are you willing to relocate to Boise and I was like yeah sure like till the time you sponsor my visa sure and and then you went yeah that takes guts. yeah I like moved in like two weeks <laughs> wow yeah I see um and then um how and when did you get introduced to SGI and Buddhism yeah so that was in 2014 um, I had just moved to uh, Tempe, Arizona for school um, in the fall of 2014. And we were like eight of like two, like eight roommates in across two apartments, basically. And one of the boys, uh, he actually has been practicing since like he's in high school. So a very, very long time now. And um, yeah, I mean, he was like the first one um, who introduced uh all of like all of our roommates into the practice and yeah we just like went one time just for you know shits and giggles basically like just to really (laughs) check out like what this is about because like he used to chant in his own room and that was just like so weird um (laughs) and the first meeting that we went to uh it was just like very refreshing just to be there like people from so many different cultures and ethnicity just like in one room and chanting the same thing like saying the same thing studying the same thing um but yeah like even then I think I was struggling with my mental health a lot uh just in general and you know just like I've lived in Mumbai with my parents for 21 years and just like pick up your life and move to a different country that you just like know through TV, uh, you know, it's very different to live it. I took it pretty hard, uh, just, you know, be by myself. And my mental health like came onto the surface, you know, 
Mm. Um, I think like I've always struggled with mental health as a child, um, but nobody in India talks about it as much. Like it's not a thing, you know, mm. it's just something that you live with and just move on, you know, you deal with it yourself. Um, so when I moved to the States, that's like when I really got diagnosed actually. Um, and yeah, just like having a very rough relationship with my roommates, like I was not getting along with them and just like not having the will to continue. And my first semester, actually, I was, I was failing classes, not failing in the sense like getting C's. Mm-hmm. Um, and like as an international student, your GPA cannot be under three out of four. That's like the criteria. And I was like at a 2.7. So all of this just like was like a lot of pressure on me. And I was like, maybe it's just like time to give up. Like, I don't know what it looks like. And this friend of mine, like the one who practices, I was like just chatting with him and I'm like, I don't know what it is. And he was like, do you want to come like chant with me for a few minutes? And um, he took me to his room and we were, he like opened his, his altar and started to chant. And this was like, 20 some your young man like chanting with his full potential and power um <laughs> you know and that was like the first time i felt that i was like somebody cared for me mm-hmm. you know like when i didn't care for myself that much and i think that is when i was like very sure that i also need to start chanting Cause this person just like had so much conviction in my life at that time. And I could just like tell from his gesture, the way he was chanting, it was like so powerful. Um, and it really touched my heart. And yeah, ever since I've been going to district meetings and study meetings and chanting on my own. Wow. What a story. Do you remember yeah. like when you chanted that first time or maybe the first few times, how did, how did you feel? Like, was it foreign or did it feel good right away or? It felt foreign uh, in the beginning, but, you know, I think as like I was doing it more consistently and I think, you know, like we have this, uh, this concept where we say like when like chanting is like turning a water hose on after it's been closed for a very, very long time. So it was for me the same way. And I turned the water hose on and it was just all the negative things in my life just like started to come on the surface. Um, mm. And my mental health was a big part of it. Like I've struggled with, you know, like self-confidence and self-esteem, um, you know, being overweight, like in India, it's not, it's not very well received. And everybody is just like focused for you to lose all the weight. And so for me, it was like, I was feeling rejected by my, friends and my family you know Mm -hmm. like I I was like a part of the puzzle that was just like not fitting you know so when I like started to chant um, I think it changed me for the better you know when all of this negative things started coming up in my life like surfacing and it was not something that just like started to come it was always there it's just that I was starting to recognize that this is something fundamentally that needs to change. Yeah, actually, I love the um, the analogy of the garden hose. And for anyone who's who's never heard it, yeah, it's basically like 
like when you turn the hose on all of the dry mud comes out first and then the clear water comes out so similarly if there's stuff that we really haven't resolved in our life or that we need to really look at like yeah it'll come out um, but not in a scary way necessarily and I know it can be a lot so what can you if you feel like whatever you feel comfortable sharing but um what kind of stuff was it like how did you um get diagnosed like what were you feeling kind of what happened in those first few months yeah so in the first few months of like me starting to chant um like I I mean first like I started to gain uh this confidence that I can overcome anything in my life I don't have to give up anything you know and I can still like get there um and you know when we chant we build this life force from within and it just like made me feel like I was invincible like I can take on anything in my life. Um, and it was funny because I distinctly remember um, one of the roommates, like he was a very good friend of mine. And he, I was like not being a nice person to anybody. And that's why like we used to always get into fights. Like my roommates, they were just like, we just want the least to get over so you can move out and blah, blah, blah. Like, we don't want to live with you. We don't want to share anything with you. And but this one friend in particular, like, it really broke my heart uh, when he told me that, you know, he doesn't want to be my friend and uh, he doesn't want to see me again. And, uh, you know, of course, I took all this trouble to my district meeting and I was like, I don't know what to do. Please help me. You know, like almost like in tears. And uh, they encouraged me to chant for uh this friend again and I thought it was like so bizarre like why would I chant for him and my roommates like who give me so much grief and sadness you know Mm -hmm. um but then like as I started to chant I realized that something was changing in me and most importantly I was realizing that I was not being a good human being and my own self-respect came back for myself um and there was this uh, article in the living Buddhism, in which um, sensei or mentor, you know, Daisaku Ikeda, he says, um, if you want someone to bow to your Buddha nature, you must be the first one to bow to theirs, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like that guidance has just like stuck with me till today. And after chaining like that for, I think, six or seven months, uh, this friend who like swore not to see me again, like he's, he's still my best friend today. And uh, he started practicing as well. Huh. Uh, so yeah that was like my first actual proof of this practice like I can change so much to become a friend that everybody wants in their life you know mm-hmm. um, that was like one of my very early experiences and like ever since I've chanted for I don't know my grades you know my dog's health my happiness my sister's pregnancy like just so many things um, every problem that I have we'll go to the Gohans and we'll chant about it. Wow. Oh my gosh. Your conviction is like palpable. (laughs) This is, yeah, already so encouraging. I'm also just like envisioning, you know, to go from someone who was feeling so kind of overwhelmed and also maybe rejected by the people in many ways, I guess, like what you shared back in India and then even by your roommates to then so sort of quickly become somebody who was able to change that, you know? Yeah, I think that's like the uh, benefit of this practicing this Buddhism, I feel, because I had so many opportunities to um, to like polish my life in a way, you know, like it was not just 
chanting Nami Horinge It was also study. It was also attending district meetings. Like, you know, just like making cause after cause to get become like get myself to a better version of myself. I think that that is like what the beauty of this practice is, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand. And also just to, you know, in case anyone listening is very new, I want to take a quick second to unpack that quote you shared because I love it. And I want to just make sure people are able to digest it. Yeah. So can you can you say it one more time? Yeah, uh, the quote goes, if you want someone to bow to your Buddha nature, you must be the first to bow to theirs. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And Buddha nature is basically an interchangeable term with bootability, like we talk yeah. about on this show. So, wow, yeah. So if you want someone to bow to your bootability, you have to bow to theirs first. That's really amazing. Yeah. Like really respect their potential. Yeah. I know that the story kind of does get a, a bit more intense. Um, so as much as you're comfortable sharing, of course, here, mm-hmm. um, can you share a little bit kind of concretely first, like mental health wise, you know, what was your struggle and kind of what did your experience feel like? And then after that, we will talk about kind of how you addressed it. Yeah, like, as I mentioned, I think I've been struggling with mental health since since I was like a teenager. And uh, I got diagnosed um, at my university when I was living there. Um, and, uh, you know, all the rejection from my, my friends and family about my weight or whatever, it kind of made me feel that I'm never good enough. And that's like where I've been battling with my insecurities like ever since, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I thought like moving to a new place, like it'll be different. But when I moved uh, to Boise, I didn't know that it was a very, very small city. Like I couldn't even see people on the streets past seven o'clock. Like it was it's so small. And I moved here and I didn't know anybody, you know, when I first moved. And so I was very lonely. And I think that's like when my mental health started to worsen. Um, you know, just like being in this isolation and just feeling so alone. Um, and in 2019, actually, uh, I hit rock bottom with my mental health uh, when I started to relive my childhood trauma. Um, and I decided that my life was not worth living. And I ended up in an emergency room. Mm-hmm. Um, after attempting to uh, kill myself. And that is when I got diagnosed with PTSD. And ever since, like, that's also, like, added to a list of the things that I struggle with my mental health, you know. Um, and, yeah, I've been, like, battling that ever since, too. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, first of all, for sharing. I know this is so personal. And yeah. also, that's not that long ago, actually. So I'm yeah. sure you're still really dealing with it. Um yeah. Wow. So I'm just imagining like you're already feeling isolated. And then after that sort of hospitalization, did you have support? And then what what happened when you got out? Like, how did you decide to try to challenge it? Yeah. So like my friend uh, in Seattle, I reached out to her like when I got back home because I was instructed by the social worker at the hospital to reach out to somebody uh, to just let them know. Um, she actually flew down the very next day to make sure I was okay. And yeah, she was like, I will chant on your behalf. Like, don't worry, we are going to overcome this together. And the whole time she was here, she could sense like I was not very open. So she was just like, let me come over and 
she cooked food. We watched Harry Potter movies. She would just like chant to my gohonzondo like uh, morning and evening. And yeah, she she told me that that I was precious and beautiful in my own way. And that was like, that was very touching, you know, mm -hmm. just to like listen that from somebody who, she struggled with her own mental health. So knowing that, again, you know, somebody else has more confidence in me than I do. Like, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to start taking care of my mental health. Like I cannot be a person who's, who has suicidal thoughts every day. Like that, that cannot happen, you know, because I am precious ultimately, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I really uh, started to, you know, chant slowly. It took me a few weeks to get back into the rhythm of chanting. Um, and at that time, like I was also seeing a therapist, but I was not really clicking with that therapist. Um, so I started to chant like for a therapist that would like help me heal in the best way, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been with this therapist for three years now. Um, and this, this therapist actually specializes in PTSD and women's abuse. Mm -hmm. So it was just like all the dots were connecting, you know? Yeah, I understand. Um, can I just ask like, so you started chanting to, to find, you know, the right therapist for you and, then what action did you have to take? Because it can be really hard to find a therapist. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the social worker at the hospital actually recommended um, this therapist because the network, uh, like, of the hospital, I had, like, tried two or three different therapists within the same network. And uh, the social worker was, like, reach out to her, you know, and she was like able to get me in like within two days or something, you know, she, she really saw, um, how, how dire my situation was just because I was suicidal, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, she was actually out of network. So my insurance wasn't covering it and, you know, therapists can be expensive. Mm -hmm. So I come back home and I was like, okay, I'm going to give her a try and see. Cause like she sounded really promising, you know, and I started to chant to, to find like financial help with that. Cause you know, yeah. hundred dollars of, yeah, of an hour was not happening. Um, and yeah. And then like her suggested therapy was like every week. So I had to also make sure that, my work was okay, me taking, like leaving work an hour early to go to my appointment, you know, like just the whole logistics of convincing your boss, finding a right time with your therapist and like just everything in between, um, you know, and yeah. And I think I went, I, I went like for two straight months without any insurance cover. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time I was like chanting, like, Either I need to get more money. And I, I really started to like her, you know, because I was like seeing her every week. So I really started to like her. I'm like, I really don't want her. Like, I don't want to leave her. So again, like taking every problem to my gohonzon and I'm like chanting about it. And the week after that, um, she was like, hey, by the way, I know that you're like, this is like too big for your finances, like coming to see me. So I actually applied to be in network uh, with your insurance. Oh. And yeah, like a month after that, uh, 
we just like she, I just had to pay my copay. It was like twenty dollars a month, and That's our, our, crazy. every session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, she worked out the paperwork in such a way that after a year, I didn't have to pay a single dime for therapy. Everything was covered. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Incredible. I I just, yeah, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking of this other kind of a passage from Ikeda about, you know, like once you determine to do something, then like everything inside of you and in your environment will like rally to support your determination. Yeah. So it sounds like your internal determination to also get well and to you know take care of yourself was getting stronger along the way because these things don't just happen right they happen in response yeah. to something yeah and uh this friend of mine she you know she really like encouraged me to chant in such a way that this is all for Kosenrufu this is all for something greater than myself you know and so I was like okay this is this is going to happen like and in that moment like you don't you cannot see the bigger picture. Like when we are struggling, like it's just, it's very difficult to see the bigger picture, you know? Um, but then, yeah, I, I slowly stopped victimizing myself. Like why, why is this happening to me? Like stuck in those questions versus coming to a point where this is happening for Kosenrufu. You know, so I can show the actual pr proof of this practice mm -hmm. and encourage somebody else to help overcome their own mental health struggles, you know. Um, so, yeah, when I started chanting that way, like that's when I really started to to understand that this is not something happening outside of me. Like I'm not the victim here, but this is like my opportunity to emerge stronger than I was ever before. Wow, that is so encouraging. Um, I'm just thinking, I, I want to sort of unpack like the because it's it, what you're sharing is such a key profound point, but it, it's it can be really difficult to understand if you're brand new to Buddhism, yeah. right? Because if you think about it, like when you're in the depths of, of like that kind of a mental health struggle, um, even, you know, challenging the will to live, then the thought of doing something because it's going to encourage other people is not, that is not top of mind for yeah. anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, yeah. if you don't mind, like when you say um, for the sake of Kosen Rufu, like if you had to sort of just explain it to a friend who doesn't really know anything about Buddhism, what do you mean by, like, how are you able to make that kind of shift to start thinking outside of yourself? And, and what do you... What do you mean kind of in layman's terms, if that makes sense? Yeah, I actually like tend to explain this with an example. So sure. in Buddhism, we say practice for oneself and others, right? Mm -hmm. So oneself is, yes, overcoming our own struggles um, and, you know, becoming quote unquote enlightened, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like reaching our fullest potential, right? Uh, the example that I tend to share with, with when I, you know, introduce somebody to this practice is when I can see the person that I love suffering, you know, so even though everything is perfect in my life, I'm still not happy hmm. because my, my loved one is suffering, you know? So, but when I show through my own life, how to overcome my struggles, this person that I love is also going to get inspired and start 
you know, mm-hmm. bettering themselves, you know, like trying to overcome their own struggle and like take action. And this is like two people. So now two people went from a lower life state to a higher life state. That is Kosovo. Because every single person then from there on in the society that we live in is also going to be the same way. You know, I don't think it's possible to live in a society where you are selfish and you see for your own good and not care for your community. It's it's just not possible. Um, and living in Boise has made that so clear for me because Boise is a predominantly a white city like when I moved in first you know like Idaho is a very white state and not Mm -hmm. a lot of people of color and different origins you know so it's very easy to again like feel isolated because you don't fit in in that community but when you are living in a society like we have to maneuver through that society also you know like we just cannot live in isolation Similarly, you cannot just be like, I'm happy. I don't care about anything else. Like we, as a society, we cannot function that way. It's only going to divide us and not unite us. So this practice for once of an other comes in that, in that very true realm that, okay, I, I just cannot be focused on my problems and not encourage somebody else. Like that's just like not happening. But when all of us are, working like towards transforming ourselves that's when like we become more harmonious and that's when you know we really you know start getting united again so yeah that's Mm -hmm. like that's what it means like training for coast and rufu in my head it's not easy to come to um to have that mentality you know but um yeah this this concept of practice for oneself and others like really helps make it like easier to understand that concept too yeah it's true because it's also sometimes like um the energy or how do you say like to make meaning of some of those struggles that are very deep and kind of inexplicable that it's so easy to be like why me why do I have to suffer because of this and you know people search to make sense of that often no matter what it is for you and and it's such a wonderful answer it's so that you can encourage other people who are also experiencing this it's immediately gives meaning and then you can move on and start tackling it instead of getting stuck in that place of but why you know yeah so thank you for sharing that that's super encouraging um so let me just recap a little bit so it it sounds like you're sharing you know um you had started practicing prior to moving to Boise and then in Boise you sort of have this very kind of tremendous mental health struggle and through the support of your community, your Buddhist community, and also just like chanting and finding a therapist, you you kind of start being able to move forward. Mm. Um, but I, I also understand that, you know, therapy is challenging and working, working through these things can be very challenging. So how did, um, you know, your Buddhist practice and, and pursuing therapy at the same time, like, did you see a connection between them? Did they work together or kind of what actual steps did you take to start feeling better? Yeah, I definitely think uh, that there's a connection between uh, chanting Namiya Renge Kyo and pursuing therapy. And, um, you know, first, like, it's the the wisdom and the courage that we get when we start chanting, you know. Um, and that's primarily, like, it's so difficult to be vulnerable, 
you know, mm-hmm. and especially when you struggle with PTSD, um, you do trauma therapy, like most licensed therapists would do a trauma therapy with you uh, to really understand the root cause of it. And it's very challenging. Um, and so to have the courage to do that and to have the wisdom to seek the right therapist, you know, like that's that's the starting point. And in my own experience, because I was doing trauma therapy at the same time, um, my my therapist asked me to be on a certain medication. And in the past, like medication and I just don't jive together. Like I've had so many side effects and reactions in the past where I was just like very, not very welcoming to that idea to begin with. Um, But again, like coming back to, I was so desperate to not suffer like this. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. The way I found, I started chanting for my therapist. I started chanting for the medication that would help me in the best way, Mm -hmm. you know, and my therapist recommended a psychiatrist who would prescribe me the medications. And again, like taking every six weeks time to go see your psychiatrist, just like for a few minutes and, you know, talking through how you're going, like everything, it's such a big process and it can be so overwhelming. Um, So through chanting, like just to like kind of maintain a life state where even though you're, you're reliving your trauma in therapy, that doesn't define you. You are not that person anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, my therapist actually, uh, she could tell that I was more responsive to our therapy sessions um, uh, when I had like a higher life force, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that we acquired through chanting and study. You know, she could she could like tell the difference of days I chant and the days I didn't chant. <laughs> you know, it was it was very very funny, and uh, and the other thing that really helped um, that I see like there's a parallel between therapy and Buddhism is um, when I was in uh, in therapy, like we would discuss in our sessions. You know, like this is the root cause of your behavior and this needs to change and that needs to happen, all of that, I would bring that back to my Gohonzon and chant to transform it, you mm. know? And day over day, week over week, month over month, it, I can tell the difference like within myself, you know? Um, and this practice like really provides uh, the tool that we need to really understand who we are as human being, like at our very core, mm. you know? So yeah, that's where like I feel like therapy and Buddhism like they're they're they go hand in hand and they like in my experience like my therapy set like I've gotten the most out of my therapy sessions because I chant. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I yeah I I totally understand what you're saying and it's uh, it makes me think of um you know that that guidance um you know, in terms of like challenging any health situation, you need three things. You need a, a, the good medicine, a good doctor and a good patient. And it sounds like that's what your, your experience is. Like you yeah. chanted for the right doctor, the right medication, the right treatment. Um, because yeah, Buddhism is not magic. Like we have to take yeah. the steps that are necessary, but then like you also seem to have been able to bring your best self to that process through chanting, which yeah. is really encouraging because that's not easy. You know, it's, it's so many things yeah. can go through one's head, you know? 
through yeah, that process. Yeah. And it's like so like one of like my negative tendencies is I tend to I'm very competitive in nature. <laughs> so I will like always compare myself to somebody else. And oh my God, my my therapist would like literally drill that into my head. Like you are unique, you are unique. And like literally it was like, it's like sensei talking to me when, when she's saying you are unique. Like you have your, you know, like don't, don't compare. Like you are on your own journey. It looks very different. So yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that's what we call human revolution or inner transformation. It's that process of like tapping into your boot ability, but like practically speaking, um, it looks like having compassion for yourself or for other yeah. people. Like it's very, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. And that is something uh, that doesn't come very easy for me either. It's for me, it's very easy to be living in other people's problems on my own because mm-hmm. they're easier to face and to challenge my own problems you know mm-hmm. um yeah and I used to like beat myself up very often when I would say like when I go to my therapist and she'll be like so how was your week and I'm like I didn't go to the gym I didn't cook I was I just like got through work barely and I basically hate myself for not doing more right and then yeah my therapist like telling me like have compassion like she taught me how to not have negative self-talk you know and to really like have compassion and I think like having compassion for others is easier than having compassion for your own self and again like coming tapping in that into within our own life like okay I need to bring forth compassion for my own self Mm -hmm. um, and not beat up myself because I didn't do something that I had to do or I needed to do you know Totally. Yeah, I love that. Actually, we did an episode a few months ago on negative self-talk. And I remember um, uh, the person that I interviewed was sharing like, like even and I'm guessing it was something like this for you, like being told that by your therapist or a friend or whatever, you know, not to speak to yourself in that way is one thing. But to like actually live that like that's a battle. That's an internal like, you know, and so I remember she described like she would sit in front of the gohan zone and she would chant and like literally have to take off like one head and be like you're gonna sit over here and like I'm gonna like let my buddha nature really talk because it's yeah. you know so I, I can only imagine the kind of work you really were doing yeah yeah wow thank you for sharing all of this so far it's already like so rich with such kind of practical insights we can take away um but I have to ask because it sounds like so much has changed since 2019 and it's only 2021 um how how are you doing now I mean I'm sure it's still a journey but yeah knowing that I have the ability within my own self to overcome my my obstacles or my problems that has been the biggest motivation I feel for me um you know I'm doing so much better than where I was like since then like I rescued a dog and she's she's my quote-unquote emotional support animal and um everything's like changed since then like you know it's it's been almost two years that I've even I've even thought of killing myself Mm-hmm. that thought doesn't occur anymore and part of it is because like through my my own like transformation that I've been doing for the past three years like 
it's it's been like okay i have a very unique purpose to be here you know and only i can fulfill that it's like you know nobody else can step in my shoes and do it better like no i have a very unique purpose and my life is of value you know um as mm-hmm. my my friend said like i am precious and i have to really believe that um so yeah i mean since then like it's been it's been so great because i now attract people who also are going through their own mental health challenges mm-hmm. and this is like you know uh overcoming mental health for cousin rifu because i'm able to like really share my own struggle and experience and be in a part of their journey too cuz i'm like hey i i haven't fully overcome yet like i'm still in that process um so let us like do it together you know and that in itself somewhere is very joyful um mm. you know to be a part of like each other's journey um yeah and i think for me the one other thing has changed like at work like i work for a tech industry you know mm-hmm. so it's so competitive and fast paced like there's no place for emotion there's no place for mental health like any of that you know but to to create that awareness like i i talk a lot about mental health um within my team and that my team is like about 15 to 18 people right now i think um so to even like talk about it and not be ashamed that that i i do struggle from depression and i do struggle from anxiety like that's nothing to be ashamed about um and that mm-hmm. doesn't make you any less capable than anybody else either you know so yeah to like i mean i think through my mental health like i've challenged so many other aspects of my life like my work my relationship every single thing and yeah i take it i take it back there you know i mm-hmm. so many people very close to me struggle from mental health and they don't know yet but because i've had this experience i'm able to like extend compassion and just let them know that they are not alone you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah it's almost like coming full circle like the what you started with right having that roommate who believed in you and then having that friend who like really just dropped everything and and came and said we're going to do this together i mean i'm it's just amazing and now you really are able to do that for other people yeah well let me ask one small follow up again only if you're comfortable answering but just because you you mentioned it earlier how you felt kind of growing up in india and like how you were sort of received by your friends and family mm-hmm. Is that something you've also really been able to address? Is I maybe it's ongoing, you know. That's like the biggest thing that I'm still challenging right now. Um and it comes like in a very ugly fashion in my relationship. Uh all those insecurities, um, uh, you know, and again like taking concrete action um and I was like I'll deal with it when I have to. And I feel like now it's really the time for me to really address that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I I think I'm like still in that journey and like knowing the fact that beauty is not something physical or tangible. You know, beauty can be anything that you define, you know. And so that whole 
piece of I am overweight that has changed into I am beautiful because I let my bootability shine through me. And mm-hmm. I attract that rather you wear size 16 or size 80. Like, it doesn't matter, um, you know, because ultimately what what we should really care about is am I really happy, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. in no way, like, Buddhism teaches, like, you should not take care of your health. And that is, like, my own journey right now to just, like, every morning when I chant, I'm, like, chanting, okay, I'm going to make to my Zumba class today. You know, like, that's <laughs> one part of the prayer, too, because, like, just, like, keep that motivation to, like, take concrete action. Uh, I recently got diagnosed uh, pre-diabetic. And so that that was, like, last year. And ever since, like... I've had this goal that I will reverse uh, my diabetes for the sake of cost and refer again. So yeah, I'm like, I'm still challenging that. And yeah, my insecurity is like the root cause of it. And I'm, I have, I'm, I have no doubt that I'm going to win over it though. Yeah. I mean, again, I can feel it. It's palpable. Like it's what you're saying is uh, I, I feel like that the energy that you're expressing it's totally true. Like your bootability is like radiating. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, everyone just like has, has different experiences and we live in a society that there's always something that will make us insecure at any given mm-hmm. time. So also just to become like a master of challenging whatever the next thing is that comes up, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years from now. Yeah. Um, it's like a amazing opportunity. So just kind of reflecting on this whole whole journey. Um, and since you did mention, you know, in addition to chanting um, study, Buddhist study has been kind of a helpful part of it. Do you have a favorite concept or teaching from Buddhism that you sort of have held on to? Yeah, I read this concept a very long ago. And that's like my go to favorite quote uh, from from like always has been my favorite quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so this principle of cherry plum peach and dancing, mm-hmm. that concept has stuck with me for so long. And it's, I think it's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And if it's okay, like I would like to read a few, uh, yeah, a uh, few sentences from uh, this book. Uh, Nichiren Buddhism teaches the principle of cherry plum, peach and damson. A cherry tree is a cherry tree a peach, a peach. We don't all have to be cherries. Just Mm -hmm. as trees bloom in their own distinct way, we should strive to live in the way that is most natural to us. This is the purpose of a Buddhist practice. You are worthy of respect just as you are. Pretending to be something you're not or putting on airs actually diminishes and weakens you. To live genuinely in a way that is true to yourself, you need to carry out your human revolution. That is to continue to develop yourself at the deepest level. And I come to this passage time and time again, um, especially when I feel like I am not good enough. Like, you know, like all those insecurities start popping up. I come to this passage and I'm like, okay, I have my own unique purpose, uh, you know, and I am beautiful and precious in my own way. And to like kind of reaffirm that every day when I chant, um, you know, Mm -hmm. so yeah, 
That's, That's amazing. beautiful. So first of all, thank you so much for everything you've shared. Just to close, and um, it's always my last question, which is if you could give one piece of advice to anyone listening, especially if they're kind of new to Buddhism and new to this philosophy, um, but is currently really struggling with their mental health, what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, uh, I really want to tell uh, whoever is listening that your mental health is very unique to you and to your own journey. Uh, process, progress looks very different for everybody. Uh, what is important is to persevere in our faith and to not give up on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll say this again. You are too wonderful and precious in your own unique way. And you have a purpose that only you can fulfill. There is no replacement shoes for you. Uh, mental health is um, it's not easy and it's nothing to be undermined. But President Ikeda uh, always has like time and time again ensured us that there is no destiny you cannot change, you know. So you have like a full SGI community with strong people uh, anywhere you are. Like there's always an SGI community who are there to support you and cheer you on throughout your entire journey of inner transformation, Um, you know, and Buddhism is not magic. So please, please seek the right help to heal yourself. Uh, Mental health is real. Uh, It's a real diagnosis. And through like this Buddhism of faith practice and study, you can become the absolutely the happiest human being on this planet. For a deeper dive on mental health, you might consider checking out our Bootability community talk on mental and spiritual well-being, which I'll link in the show notes. Another resource is the December 2020 episode of the podcast Buddhist Solutions for Life's Problems about mental health. We'll continue to cover the topic on the show and at bootability.org as well. But I want to leave you today with some words from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda, which I think applied to the root cause of what Tanushri was able to transform, her belief in her own self. He writes, You must respect your life. You will be unhappy if you allow yourselves to be swayed by society's prejudices, passing trends, and contradictions. Never forget to live true to your convictions. Believing in and treasuring our lives is hard, but chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo is a way to unlock our own capacity to do so, and together with the right medical support, it can help us find the best path forward, even if it takes time and effort. As always, if you want to get in touch or learn about your local Buddhist community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.